Well, today is our first Sunday in December. Thanksgiving is behind us, and we're looking ahead to Christmas. My December message series is called The Child Who Changed the World Forever. And who was that child? It was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the most influential person who's ever lived on this earth, bar none. I'd like to read a quote about the great influence of Jesus Christ on our world by a man named James Hefley. Here's what he said. Here's a man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He worked into a, in a carpenter's shop until he was 30. And then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never owned a home. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never set his foot inside a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompany greatness. And while still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. And when he was dead, he was taken down and laid in a bowed grave. Such was his human life. But he rose from the dead. And centuries have come and gone, and today he's the centerpiece of the human race. He's the leader of the column of progress. All the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, all the kings that have ever reigned, put together, have not affected life of man upon this earth as powerfully as has that one solitary life. End of quote. Jesus Christ, most influential person who's ever lived. Today, Christianity is the largest religion in the world with over 2.3 billion adherents out of the earth's 7 billion people. And so Jesus has had an enormous influence on the world. And of course, he's influenced untold multitudes of individual lives, including my own, and if you're a believer here today, your life. What's so different about Jesus? He affected the world with just three years of ministry. Was he just a good teacher, as so many think, or was he something much more? To begin to answer that question, we're going to look at an Old Testament scripture in which Moses asked God a question about what God's name was. It's found in Exodus 3.14. In the middle of your bulletin, there's a white page. I encourage you to take it out. It has the scriptures written out as well as the outline of the message. On the back is some study questions that uh, you can do on your own or we encourage you to attend a life group. Uh, there are life groups uh, this evening uh, that you can discuss with others and dig deeper into God's word. Exodus 3.14, God said to Moses, after Moses asked God, what is your name? He said, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And so the Jews of Jesus' day, they understood the Old Testament scriptures. They knew that God's name was I am. Because God is always there, past, present, and future. He, he just is. He exists outside of time. 
Jesus speaking to the Pharisees in the New Testament in John 8:58 says, "I tell you the truth," Jesus answered, "Before Abraham was born, I am." An incredible statement, just the first part, before Abraham was born, he existed. Jesus claims to have existed thousands of years ago, and he claimed to have God's name. He took God's name to himself, I am. The Jews regarded this statement as blasphemy, and they, they tried to stone him, but he slipped away. And so Jesus was not just a good teacher. Jesus was claimed to and was the very Son of God. And so he made this claim to be God on this occasion and many other occasions. And in this message series, The Child Who Changed the World Forever, we're going to look at a number of Jesus' I Am statements that he gave in the book of John and see what they mean for us today. So today my message is entitled, Jesus, Our Provision. Now people everywhere are searching for answers to their needs in life. They're searching for answers to the need to relate to the God who created them. The Bible tells us that inside of every person is a God-shaped vacuum that can only be filled with God himself. And people try to fill that vacuum with all kinds of things, but it doesn't work until they enter into relationship with God. Whatever you need this morning, Jesus wants to provide it for you. Let me give you a little background to the passage. We're going to be looking at a passage in John chapter 6. Jesus had just fed a crowd of 5,000 people with a box lunch. A little boy's lunch that contained a few fishes and a few loaves of bread. It was an incredible miracle. And that evening after Jesus fed the people, he walked across the Lake of Galilee. He walked on the water. The only disciples saw that. The next morning, the people found Jesus on the other side of the lake. And they wondered, how did you get over here? I don't see a boat. How did you get from one side to the other? Jesus didn't answer that question. He knew their real question is, will you give me what I want? Let's look at the passage in verse 25 and 26. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. And so Jesus was able to perceive the motivation of the people's question. They wanted to find him, not because he'd just done a miracle and fed 5,000 people with a few loaves and fishes. They were looking for him because they had a free lunch yesterday. They got to eat as much as they wanted. They didn't have to work, and that sounded pretty good. You know, free lunches sound good today too, don't they? To a lot of people. And so they wanted another free lunch. The fact that Jesus had miraculously fed, that it was a miracle, was really lost on them. All they wanted to do was eat. They wanted to get their physical needs met again today as he had met them yesterday. And so Jesus was going to tell them that your priorities are in the wrong place. Your priorities in life shouldn't be on meeting your physical needs. Rather than focusing on your physical needs, you should 
You should rather focus on your eternal needs. And so Jesus gives them an answer to their question. And he says, focus on your eternal needs. Verse 27, do not work for the food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, the God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So what is Jesus saying to the people here? He's saying that you shouldn't focus your energies. You shouldn't focus your, your efforts just on meeting your physical needs and, and then thinking about God as a last resort. That's not what your priorities in life should be. Your present needs, your present wants are not going to last. They're just here for a short time during the 70, 80 years that we live on earth. But eternity is going to last forever. And Jesus is saying, there's a food that I can give that is going to last forever, that is going to last for eternity. And working for that spiritual food is what your priority in life should be. And so Jesus is saying to them and to us that the most important thing in life is to make eternity our priority. That is going to last forever. Now think about eternity this way. How important in your life is how you spend the next minute, the next 60 seconds? Like, you know, a minute isn't, isn't a lot, is it? And I can assure you we all waste a few minutes in a day. Anybody waste a few minutes in a day? A minute here, a minute there, just 60 seconds. How many minutes do we have in a lifetime? A person who lives to be 80 will have about 42 million minutes. And so one minute out of 42 million doesn't seem like much. And as one minute doesn't seem like much in view of 42 minute, million minutes of a lifetime, so the 80 plus years of a lifetime is just an infinitesimal fraction of eternity. I mean, have you ever stopped to think about eternity? Try to wrap your mind around forever? That never ends? Like, after a million years, it's just beginning. Take a few minutes of your 42 million and think about eternity sometime. And God wants us to focus on that eternity. Because this life will be gone in a blink of an eye. And one day, we're all going to enter in e into eternity. And that's where we're going to spend the rest of our existence, which is going to go on forever. And so our priority in this life should be to prepare for eternity. And when our focus in this life is on the food that Jesus gives for eternity, then Jesus is going to meet our needs in this life. We do have needs in this life. And Jesus wants to meet them, but our focus, our priority needs to be right. And so people came up with the second question. Jesus tells them, work for the food that endures to eternal life. And they said, what does God want us to do? Verse 28, then they ask him, what must we do to do the works that God requires them? That God requires. Jesus had told them they should work for the food that endures to eternity. He said, okay, you want us to work? What kind of work should we do? We don't, we don't know what you're telling us to do, Jesus. And that really is the question that every religion asks, is it not? What do I have to do to get right with God? What do I have to do to meet His requirements to go to heaven? 
And every religion outside of biblical Christianity gives the same basic answer when we ask that question of them. What do I have to do? They say, you have to be a good person. You have to live a good life. You need to do that so you can earn God's favor. You need to do more good things than you do bad things. Many so-called Christian churches even give the same answer. And so, what kind of answer do you think Jesus would give them when they said, what do we have to do? Perhaps he would tell them, well, you need to give more money to the temple. Or maybe he would tell them, uh, you need to help the poor. Or you need to pray more. You need to read the scriptures more. But those are not the answers that Jesus gave. When they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? He said, all you have to do is to believe in me. All you have to do is believe. Jesus answered in 629, the work of God is this. To believe in the one that he has sent. And Jesus, of course, claimed to be the one sent by God the Father. And so all you have to do is believe. That wasn't the answer they were expecting. You don't have to do anything other than believe in Jesus, the very one that God the Father has sent to the earth. You see, Jesus has done all the work that needed to be done in order for us to go to heaven through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Jesus has done all the work. We don't have to do anything in order to spend eternity with God except to believe in and put our trust in Jesus Christ. Now, believing in Jesus Christ is not just a, a one-time event. Sometimes we think, well, I believe in Jesus and that's it. Believing in Jesus is an ongoing state of faith. You enter into a state of believing. If you believe in Jesus, you keep on believing. And that belief will be reflected in your lifestyle. You know, many people today struggle with the same question that the people asked Jesus. Put another way, the question is, how good is good enough to get to heaven? How good do I have to be to get to heaven? I, I know I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. God can't expect me to be perfect. So how good do I have to be? And when people struggle with that question, they have no assurance they're going to heaven. If you ask a person who's struggling with the question, how good do I have to be to go to heaven? You ask them, are you going to heaven when you die? They say, well, I don't know. You know, I'm not sure if I'm good enough. According to the Bible, if you're trying to be good enough to, to go to heaven, then you're not going because that's not how we get to heaven. How we get to heaven is what Jesus said right here, to believe, to have faith in Jesus Christ. Trying to be good enough won't get anybody to go to heaven because nobody can be good enough. We all have sin in our lives. And we can't enter into heaven with sin in our lives. The only way to get in is to believe and have Jesus Christ forgive our sins and to cleanse us so that we can go to heaven. If you struggle with that question, how good is good enough, and you wonder, if I'm doing enough good things in life, then I'd encourage you to, to pick up a copy of a book that we have over there on my left titled, How Good is Good Enough? And if you've never read it, I'd encourage you to read it because a lot of people, in fact, polls tell us most people struggle with that question, how good is good enough? And so the key to getting the food from Jesus that will give eternal life, that will provide the way for us to live with him in this life and to go to heaven in eternity is faith. 
believing in him. And so the crowd asked a third question. They said, will you do a miracle so we can believe? So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. So the people were saying, why should we believe in you? We want to see a dramatic miracle. You know, when the, the nation of Israel was in the desert, was in the wilderness, manna came down from heaven. Bread came down from heaven and they ate it. And we want to see something dramatic like that. We want to see loaves just drop down out of the sky. If we see that, well, yeah, maybe we'll believe in you. It's a little ironic that just the day before, Jesus had fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. And yet, they either hadn't realized it or they'd seen it and still didn't believe. It wasn't dramatic enough. So how did Jesus answer the question? We want to see another miracle, Jesus. We want to see a more dramatic miracle. Well, he said, I am the true miracle. He said, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So you want to see bread come down from heaven? He said, I am the bread that has come down from heaven. I have come down from my father's home in heaven to here. The child that was born on the manger, in the manger on that first Christmas had come down from heaven. And so Christmas itself is a miracle where Jesus, the very Son of God, was born to a human mother. He came from heaven to walk among us, to walk in our shoes. And it's this same Jesus who gives life to the entire world for everyone who will receive it. Some people today say the same thing. I need to see a miracle before I'm going to believe. How can I believe in this man who, who lived 2,000 years ago? I want to see a miracle today. Many who witnessed the feeding of 5,000 people with that small lunch did not regard it as a miracle. They were not yet ready to believe. And yet Jesus himself coming down from heaven was the, was the greatest miracle and he was standing right before them. The eyes of faith see this Jesus as the Son of God. You see the claims that he is making to have lived before Abraham lived thousands of years before. Taking upon himself the very name of God. If somebody claimed that today, what would you think of them? Loony, right? Deranged. Something's wrong with them. You wouldn't say they were a good teacher, would you? You'd say, this person is crazy. And so if Jesus made these claims, and they were not true. He's not a good teacher. He's not worthy of following. But if he made those claims and they are true, then he is. Who he says he is. The very Son of God. God has given us all the evidence we need to believe in him. Through the words of scripture. Through the voice of the Spirit of God speaking in our hearts. God wants us to take the leap of faith and put our trust and faith in this child who was born 2,000 years ago. The crowd was still not completely following what Jesus was saying. And so they asked the fourth question. They said, will you give us daily miracles? They said, sir, they said, from now on, 
give us this bread. Jesus had told them that he was the bread from heaven and I'm not sure if they knew what they were asking here. I don't know if they knew if this bread from heaven was going to feed them every day or what it was, but they, they wanted it and they wanted it all the time. They wanted their physical needs met on an ongoing basis. But the answer to their needs on an ongoing basis in this life was not found was not to be found even in physical miracles. The answer to the crowd's needs, the answer to our needs today is found in one place, in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the answer. He is our provision. He's the child that changed the world forever. And so Jesus goes on to make things crystal clear. He says, I am the bread of life. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. And so here again, he uses the name of God that God used for himself in the Old Testament, I am. In the Greek, ego, eimi. I am. He says that those who come to him, those who believe in him, will never be hungry and will never be thirsty. Now we should know by now that Jesus is not primarily talking about physical hunger and physical thirst. He's talking about spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst which is the most important need that we have. Verse 51, Jesus again reiterates. He said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Another astounding claim, is it not? If you, if you eat of the bread of my flesh, you're going to live forever. You're going to live for eternity with God. And what is Jesus saying? How can we eat of the bread of his flesh? Well, just think for a minute what goes on when you eat a piece of bread. You take the bread into your mouth, you chew it, it goes down into your stomach, the stomach digests it, and the nutrients from the bread give you physical life. In the same way to eat the bread of life, who is Jesus, is to put your faith and trust in him, to open up your life to him, to invite him into your life, to invite him to take control of your life. And when you do that, the bread of life, Jesus himself, gives you eternal life. It's incredible. Now when you eat a piece of bread, how long does it sustain your life? Well, maybe for a day. And then you've got to eat some more bread. In the same way, to eat the living bread of Jesus is an ongoing process. We believe in him today and we keep on believing in him tomorrow. We believe in what he says. We take his words into our lives and we put them into practice in our lives. When you believe in what Jesus said, when you believe in what Jesus commanded, you will do what he says. Jesus said, if you love me, you will do what I tell you to do. And as we do that, we take in the bread of life. And the life of God grows up inside of us. The eternal life of Jesus flows into our life and it ensures that we live forever. Because you see, even now in this life, as believers, we enjoy eternal life. And one day our physical bodies will die, but we are going to keep on living forever with God. And one day when Jesus comes again, our physical bodies will in fact be reunited with our spirits. And we will live forever with resurrected bodies. 
But that's a topic for another message. And so Jesus is the child who changed the world forever. And at Christmas time, yes, he came as a baby, but he grew up and he ministered and he spoke to us about who he was. He taught us that he is our provision. He is the bread of life. And whatever we need in this life or for eternity, he is more than enough. We don't need to look any other way. How do we eat of this bread of life? Simply by believing in Jesus, by putting our trust in Him this Christmas season. In our faith in Him, in our dependence on Him, can continue to grow as we walk with Him. To receive Jesus as our bread of life, we need to make a commitment. To do that, we admit that we've sinned. That we've done wrong things. That we've been trying to provide for our own needs rather than letting God provide. We believe that Jesus died to forgive us and we ask Him to come into our lives. And we commit ourselves to following Him and the things He says as our Lord and Savior. So I'd like us to bow our heads right now. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And I'd encourage you, if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ before, that you pray with me this Christmas season and make a fresh start. Or perhaps you've committed your life in the past, but you've been taken up with other things and spiritual things and focusing on eternity has not been a priority in your life. You've been worried about putting bread on the table and and other things. And God wants us to get our priorities right. So I'd encourage you to recommit your life to Him this morning, this Christmas season. And say something like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. My priorities in life have not been your priorities. I have been focusing on meeting my own needs uh, rather than seeking you first. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus came to this earth The bread of life came down that I might have eternal life. I thank you that he came and sacrificed himself on the cross. His body was broken that I might be forgiven. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I commit myself to serving you, to following you all the days of my life as my Lord and Savior. And for those of us who are believers this morning, let's pray as well. Say, Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus into, that, into this world on that first Christmas. Thank you for sending the one and only bread of life to be our provision, both in this life and for eternity. And today we put our faith, we put our trust in you anew. Forgive us for looking else for, for what we need in life. Help us to look to you for our needs in this life and our needs for eternity. May we learn to find that all of our hungers and thirsts are met in you. May we not look in the wrong places. Teach us to keep our eyes on eternity in order to live successfully in this life. And God, we pray that you'd help us 
to point others to Jesus this Christmas season. When hearts are open, God, when hearts are thinking about Jesus a little bit more, we pray that you'd give us the courage to talk about the real meaning of the season. We pray that you give us the courage to invite others to church this Christmas season. We pray they would have open hearts to come and to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.